Welcome to a special entertainment edition of Radio Rehab. I'm your host, Dana. If you would like to contact us, you can call 415-496-9511, even when we're not in studio, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's at Radio Rehab Dana. Today, I'm going to be talking to Morgan Neville. He's a film producer, director, and writer. His acclaimed film, 20 Feet from Stardom, won the Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature in 2014, as well as a Grammy Award for Best Music Film. Today, I'll be talking to Morgan about his new film, Won't You Be My Neighbor, the documentary about Mr. Rogers. All I can tell you about this movie is I loved it, and I know you're going to love it, too. I had a great time talking to Morgan about my choice to wear a Minor Threat t-shirt to interview a director about Mr. Rogers. But hey, that's me. Check out the interview. I just want to say that I left that movie wanting to build a time machine. And that was compounded by the fact that I went to the screening of Ready Player One the same week. And I couldn't figure out what my feelings were after I, I watched Ready Player One. But then after I saw Want You Be My Neighbor, I knew my feelings are I want to go back. <laughs> like, I, more Mr. Rogers and less becoming a cyborg. How, how did this whole project come about? Well, the thing about going back uh, is that um, the weird thing about Mr. Rogers is those of us who grew up watching the show watched him maybe when we were two three four five six seven years old but some of that exists like in our pre-memory pre-consciousness the weird thing about the film is like here's somebody we have a relationship with but some of that relationship even predates our awareness of it or our vocabulary yeah Yeah. so when you watch the film it's like oh my god it's like you're accessing part of yourself that you haven't necessarily been in touch with for a very long time it's not something i really understood when i started making the film but now I see it happening in screenings, and I, it's just really unique in that way, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, no, I felt the same way. Like, a lot of it, I was like, I wasn't really old enough to have been, like, you know, because I remember being five years old and watching Happy Days. Yeah. But I know my grandmother must have had me watching, Mr. been holding me and watching Mr. Rogers, and I do. Like, it, it's like, yeah, connected to some kind of, like, subconscious part of me where it was like, oh, my God. I didn't know that that was all... That that Daniel was... I didn't know anything about him until I saw this movie, actually. Okay. So... I mean, the thing is, it's like um, the message... Essentially, when I try and digest what his message was, what I came up with is radical kindness. This idea of like... When he's talking about, won't you be my neighbor? He's really talking about what kind of neighborhood are we going to have? What kind of community are we going to have? What kind of society are we going to have? And being a good neighbor is being a good citizen or community member. And so he's, what he was trying to do is kind of model basic humanist values for four-year-olds. You know? Yeah. And at a time where we feel like we maybe lost some touch with, you know, how we should treat each other and basic humanist values and kindness, um, it feels really good to go back and start to talk about those things. I have a couple friends who are pregnant right now and I told them I watched this and they're like, oh, I want to see that so bad. And all they were talking about is how they're going to get old videos of things that were around like Mr. Rogers and maybe some Fraggle Rock. And that's what their kids are going to watch, regardless of what kind of stuff. I mean, I don't even know if Yo Gabba Gabba is still a thing, but like <laughs> regardless of whatever the kids are watching now, that's what they're going to have their kids watch so that they grow up to be good people. Well, And I know the show still plays for kids like the old episodes and I think they're on Amazon Prime now like at least a hundred of the old episodes are so for people with kids you know I know they show him some of those episodes and the thing is like Fred said that 
you know, the outside world of kids has changed a lot, but the inside world of a kid never changes. Yeah. So kids are like, you know, rebooting. Every new kid is a new <laughs> reboot of a human, you know. So it's not, they don't come with the baggage we all pick up as our culture. They learn that baggage. So you can go back and like, kids will still absolutely zero in on kind of the 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 message what that show was i've seen it happen and it's really kind of profound what it does to kids you know it was so thoughtful and again it's like it's not it's not just there to sell sugar and toys like it's there oh, yeah, to no, like not deliver a really deep message and that's things that I, I i never thought of it was so cool to watch this stuff and to hear the commentary as an adult um for example the part where i think he was just saying a kid was testing him to see if he could come in and it was about like a stuffed animal losing his ear the way he responded to that because i'm thinking nowadays somebody might say something ridiculous like oh the animal still will regrow another ear you'll see it'll happen overnight and then they'll sew it back on but the way he actually referred to this stuffed animal as a toy it's a toy and sometimes they lose their ears but we don't lose ours i was like that never would have occurred to me that is so beautiful it's like he had the mind of it he just had the mind of a child almost or he could think along their terms absolutely i mean the thing he did that i think is actually pretty radical is that um we tend to like kids are incredibly smart and they are very intuitive and they know if something's going wrong they know it and when we as adults are like don't worry about it you know it's not a problem like kids will worry about it that's the oh, worst yeah. thing you can say and the thing is like fred was like don't talk down to kids talk to them at their level explain difficult things explain to those things to them in age appropriate terms and kids will totally appreciate it and that's the thing i don't see happening a lot in like kids media is like people he would talk about insanely <laughs> profound things he would talk yeah. about war and AIDS and nuclear holocaust and bullying and you know all this stuff for kids just because kids were aware of these things happening so he would talk about it in a way where kids were like thank you for explaining that to me in a way yeah. that most adults will never touch they'd just say don't worry about that you know and and that's something that i think nobody is doing to this day right or it's like when somebody dies and it's like what happened they're in a better place where yeah. how can i get there <laughs> you know yeah, i he mean he would explain this you know the episode he did about his goldfish dying you know oh, yeah. the entire episode we show a little bit of it in the film but you know he's not trying to sugarcoat it or say oh they're you know exactly it's like no it that happens and animals die and humans die and we'll all die and you know but this is part of the cycle of this and that you know and he explains it in a way where kids are like thank you for yeah. not talking down to me i've been trying to figure this out and most adults won't tell me right know, yeah thank kids. you for not lying to me too essentially you know that's a lot of what adults do to kids because it's a lot easier to lie to them to, than to kind of honestly express right. really complex ideas to them or they're afraid they're gonna upset them not realizing that it's upsetting them more to not have a concrete answer 100 percent. when the other kind of upset they get upset and they grieve and they're through it absolutely um the other thing i really found interesting was that he would kind of take breaks and then come back whenever something bad you know for lack of a better word was happening in the world like war or something and come back and discuss that with the kids that is something i did not remember about mr rogers at all and was fascinated to know that including 9 11 i didn't yeah. even know I that mean, he did that he did it a bunch of times i'm mean, the first time he did it was um and we show some of it in the film that so bobby kennedy was assassinated on a wednesday in june the first week of june in 1968 um, 
And he said, look, the funeral for Bobby Kennedy is going to happen on Saturday, and it's going to be televised nationally, and children are going to be home, and they're going to see it, and they're going to wonder about it. I need to do a show to air Friday night to explain to parents how to talk to your kids about this. I mean, this is kind of Fred's mission. So they scrambled and threw together this half-hour show where he demonstrated how adults should talk to the children about assassination and loss and all of these things, which is nobody's done anything like that, you know, before or since in a way, you know, it's, it's kind of amazing. They had that forethought to like, this is, I've got to do this. And so they rushed that together. And that episode, that half hour episode is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. You know, it's uh, David Bianculli, the TV critic in the film said he thinks it's the greatest moment of television uh, that he's ever seen. And he has spent his life writing about television. So it's, it's that, that kind of thing. That, that Fred was not afraid of things, things that nobody else in children's TV would touch. Right. And that he did that before the funeral. It's not like the funeral happened. He's like, let me explain what you saw on Saturday. He was like, the most important people here are the kids. So I'm going to make sure they go into this. Okay. And I bet it helped a lot of adults too, yeah. honestly. Well, that's the thing is like, <laughs> and going back and working on the film, as much as he's talking to kids as an adult, when you listen to that, you're like, oh, like I'm, I, this, I want to hear this voice. Like, Oh, yeah. It's just so therapeutic as an adult to kind of hear how he explains things to kids because those issues don't change for us. Those basic issues he talks about, which are about how to treat each other or self-worth or, you know, fear or whatever, you know, those things don't change when we grow up. Yeah. And that loving voice that we need. That was another because one thing I definitely wondered, I'm like, I wonder if Mr. Rogers, like how he was at home or did he ever get mad? I love that he would say when he was mad, he would kind of say things in character. Yeah. Like, and I was like, that is so funny. Yeah. He put on his Lady Elaine Fairchild voice. That, to, yeah. Because it was, yeah, if it was off brand for him to get angry. So he would have to do it in a character's voice. Right. It was, and it was so cool to hear from his kids i was so scared going into the movie going okay what if he was a total jerk at home i'm gonna be so disillusioned but like just to find out he just was an all-around great guy i just walked out of there going i mean not he was perfect he's imperfect like all of us but that's just the thing he's just a beautifully imperfect person and i loved hearing that yeah i mean his wife mrs rogers who's in the film she said to me when before we started the film she said don't make him into a saint oh my god which was like the best thing to possibly hear because she yeah. was saying that he's he was human and yeah. that he struggled and that makes him dimensional and that's what we should celebrate too. So I think that was something that was just as a filmmaker great to hear but to realize that Fred was actually like a much more dimensional and actually even like a better version in real life of who he was on television. You know? Yeah, that's what I got too. Um you know, and he, I don't even go into all this stuff in the film. You know, he was a vegetarian. He was a pacifist. He was a, um, spoke five languages. Um, really? I mean, he was just like a, he was a very smart, very willful person, you know, and you only see a little bit of that on the TV show. So when you realize like, oh, this guy was, he was not messing around. Yeah. <laughs> like that's really who he was. He walked his talk or whatever. They, that's yeah. really, because I knew he was, um, wanted to go into the, you know, be a minister and all that. But like the fact, yeah. the fact that he chose television, I was thinking it's the same thing. It's just your, your church, you know, I'm using finger quotes in the radio. That's something you know, your church quote unquote is uh, everybody. Like everybody's well, visiting your church when you're on TV. It's well, not like he's, well, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Cause he, 
saw television on spring break from college in like 1948. So this is like the very, very, very beginning of television. And his family had a television because they had money. They were one of the richer families in the town. He grew up in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. He saw television on spring break and he's like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. And at that time, he was going to become a minister. Right. And he eventually did become a minister. But he saw something in this new medium that was going to transform society. And he said, this is going to be important, not because I want to be on the ground level of a business, but because I, I think this is going to have a more transformative effect than, than anything that's come along in the last many decades. So when he went and became a minister, a Presbyterian minister, his designation on his ministry decree was television. And I think he was probably legitimately then the first televangelist in history in a way yeah and but it was this understanding that he was going to use television as his ministry though it's a secular ministry to really help guide these generations of kids who are going to be growing up essentially just watching tv you know who don't necessarily have parents they're the latchkey kids or their kids in the 60s who are and 70s who are watching television without a parental figure and he said i'm going to be that parental figure i'm going to use television to help give kids what they need and to look out for them because there are so few people looking out for kids yeah. and that was that kind of foresight was unbelievable because he went into it like how can i do this and be of maximum service to others and that's just such a beautiful way to start any endeavor yeah and he i mean he came from money so he never wanted money he right didn't want to be famous he would have been happy to do all of this if he could have not been on television but he saw that television was the medium for the end um but he turned down merchandising he turned down everything he refused to make money off of it you know that it wasn't what it was about for him so that kind of um selflessness just is another part of that he didn't want anything to pollute his relationship with the viewer his relationship with the kid he's like this is sacred how i treat my viewers and the relationships i have with them the same reason that he responded to every letter he got it was like and that's another thing i didn't know that is so this is a real relationship we have so that's there aren't a lot of people like that no but i hope there's more after seeing this movie i just want to say thank you so much for making this movie i hope everyone sees it and thank you for talking to us today thanks so much Won't You Be My Neighbor opens in theaters everywhere on Friday, June 8th. And I know you're going to love it. You should totally go see this movie. And that's all I can tell you about it for now. Next week on Radio Rehab is extra special because I'm back in studio with a guest. My special guest will be Colleen. Trust me, this is somebody that we can all learn a lot from. So I'll see you next Monday back here. Keep coming back.